Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Heart of Purpose podcast. I am so excited to have you today because I have a fabulous friend and former bachelorette from season four, Deanna Stagliano. And she is just one of a kind. She is such a special person, uh, someone who just lights up the room and you can just talk to like about anything. So I'm excited to dive in as we share more about motherhood coming off of the show, some of her experience on the show, and just how we love to live with the heart of purpose. So join me. Welcome, Deanna, to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you. I feel like we have a lot to uh, catch up on, especially with quarantine and kids. And uh, we'll also go back back in the past and talk about the show and how you got on and how you met Steven and all that good stuff. But how are you doing? Oh, we are doing really well. We're doing really well. Everybody's happy and healthy, which I good. and I'm thankful for. We're all just a little star crazy. Oh yes, absolutely. Really strong. Like I was like, oh my gosh, this is so great because I travel a lot for work. Steven travels a lot for work. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is it's the first time probably in our marriage that we have been able to have dinner every single night at the table. As <laughs> And really, I mean, that's I great. Thought, that's a silver lining, you know? Yes, it was wonderful. And I swear up until July, I was like, this is really awesome. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, we're all stuck in the house together now for so long. It's time, it's time to be done with it. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. I was even doing like, I was like, pumped. Like I had a lot of work to do on my end for my business, but the first like few weeks I was like, okay, tomorrow we're going to do this activity and then then the next, and then we're going to do this activity. And then when it kept like drawing on and on, I was like, all right, let's just turn on TV. (laughs) I'm I'm like, I'm spent. I have no idea what else to do and I need to work, but it's just so funny that... And then now it's been however many months and it's like, all right, well now it, it I mean, it pretty much is a new norm right now. And it I think really it's just, is. yeah, it's just finding the good in it and being able to be grateful for what we do have, which you're yeah. always so good at and you're so okay. family oriented. Well, I think it took me a long time to get here. Uh, like, I don't feel like I was always um, that way. Like I was grateful for my family, but you know, I think after being on, the bachelor and the bachelorette and how some of that stuff played out. I was pretty jaded for a while. Like, I, you know, I would not say that I was super grateful for being on the show or for my experience, oh, yeah. you know? Oh, totally. Um, I, I 100% concur. Yeah. yeah. I, felt, I, felt, I felt the same. And for everyone listening to give a little bit of a backstory, let's uh, go back to, well, actually what season of the bachelor was it? So I was on it was Brad, Brad Womack. Brad Womack's first season. And I think that was Bachelor season eleven. This is my That's amazing. Numbers on her on her <laughs> I knew I saw that. <laughs> uh, don't show that one. <laughs> no, I won't. Handing out uh, Deanna's phone number. <laughs> I actually I'm very careful. If I if she ends up in a photo or something that I put oh, yeah. phone number is on her collar and I, I always yeah. forget. I'm like, this could be really bad for me. Um, anyway, yes, it was Brad's first season of The Bachelor, which I think was season 11. And then it was okay. The Bachelorette season four. Yes, but talking about the, the Bachelor season, so you were practically chosen. I don't even know how to describe it. It was where Brad <laughs> didn't decided to go home alone. Like he, yeah. he didn't choose anyone. And can you give us a little insight as to 
what was going on? And, you know, and honestly, and, and how that impacted you, because that is the beginning of this entire journey sure. for you and how being on The Bachelor, because it is like having been on the show too, it's just such a rare opportunity that many people can't understand or sure. really under like what goes on emotionally. Yeah. But there's so many takeaways that really every, anyone, you know, can um, be inspired by or encouraged. Yeah. You know, I always think of that when I'm watching, you know, the first episode of The Bachelor, usually The Bachelor, because the girls yeah. usually drunk and cry or whatever else. So totally. <laughs> I always hate when people comment on social media or blogs or whatever it is when they're, when they're bashing the women for crying, when they just I met agree. someone like one. And I always want to stand up and stick up for them and be like, you have no clue. Like they have been locked in a hotel room for three days alone without yeah. a phone, without any kind of like communication to the people that they love or know. And I said, and they go through this whole night one and they meet this guy and they're exhausted. Yeah. You know, they've been up for 12 hours in the middle of the night. They're tired. Like I would cry too, because I just, oh, want to go home. I, I cried many times just from being tired. Like not even because I was upset just because yeah. I'm so tired. Although but, I'm um, so proud. I, I would not cry. Like they kept saying, we're going to make you cry. The producer, oh, you know. but that's, what's funny so is I was that way on The Bachelor where I was super like guarded and I'm like, in my whole life, I was very tough. And I was like, I thought like crying was a weakness. And then then you, yeah. And then you put me on The the Bachelorette and I just couldn't even stop crying. (laughs) (laughs) You were like round two of being like crazy person, like stuck in a house. When, when Brad's season were, when Brad's season was airing again for the Bachelor Goat series, um, I was really, two things. I was really hesitant to see it again because I haven't had to relive that in a very long time. I mean, yeah. for goodness sakes, it's been like 13 years, you know? Um, and you know this because you're married and you have kids, but it's, it's kind of hard to look back at that and be put in a place where I, I was. I was emotionally wrecked. And I was at that time, like brokenhearted. Um, and really devastated because the whole time on Brad's season, I truly felt like he was going to choose me. I mean, you know that you've been on the bachelor yeah. before, you know? yeah. but the things that he said to me off camera, I was never led to believe that he was not going to choose me. And even the producers would say that he would tell them if he was going to choose anyone, it'll be me, oh. you know? Yeah. And so, and even like the night before the final row ceremony, they let me go and stay with him. Like, yeah, which is, I heard that oh, and I'm like, right? Like that was not filmed. There was no producers there. I got to go to his house. I can't believe they allowed that. Cause that's like, so that's I, never. I think it was probably two things. He either requested it. Yeah, totally. Right. Or they were trying to help him make a decision. Yeah. Probably a combination of the two, right? Probably both. Yeah. I was gonna say probably both. He probably asked for it and they allowed it. Um, and then they were probably also hoping to, to push him to make a decision. Um, now with that being said, I think he could have taken the night very differently if he was really unsure about his decision. No one was there and it was a house that he was staying in. He could have taken that opportunity to speak really openly to me. Or to be like, you know, I'm just not, I, I, I like you very much or I love you, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm still having doubts and he didn't say any of that. And he didn't say any of that. As a matter of fact, we like hung out. I, I remember sitting there 
on the couch and we were watching TV. We were like watching the news or something. It felt very, <laughs> at the time, like very real life, you know? And yeah. I remember he was laying on the couch and his head was in my lap and I was just kind of running my hands through his hair and he kind of rolled over and he looked at me and he was like, you know, what do you, what do you think about all this? And I was like, well, what do you mean? And he was like, do you think it's real? And I was like, for me, and we're talking, oh we made it six weeks, six gosh. weeks. And it was like, for me, Brad, it is very real. I have been very honest with you yeah. about how I feel and where I stand. And I said, and I trust that you have done the same. And he was like, yeah, you know, I just, do you think it would work outside of this? And I was like, I hope so. But how would you not know if you don't give it a shot? Totally. We spent the night together. And then the next morning when I went to leave, he's holding my hand and kissing me. And he walks me out to my handler to the car. And I'll never forget this because this is the, this is what I look back on. And I, and this was what made me feel so betrayed because I always said from the very beginning with him, I'm like, I am a brutally honest human being. And I have nothing but respect for people who can be the same. So like, just don't lie to yeah. me. Like, I don't trust the producers. I don't necessarily trust the other women in the home because we're all dating yeah. guys. Totally. <laughs> yeah. I said, but, but you, like, I'm just asking that you always be honest with me. And so in the process, Gosh. he really was the only person that I 100% trusted, you know, with everything. Yeah. I was very honest with him. I was very raw about my feelings and who I was and my life and my family and all of those things. Um, and so that morning when he was walking me out to that to the car where my handler was waiting, he's holding my hand and he's kissing me and he's kissing me on my cheeks and he says, I'll see you tomorrow. And I was like, <gasps> I was, oh, oh my, my God. You know, please, please don't remind me. And he said, don't worry. It's going to be a good day. And I was like, <gasps> Oh, oh my okay. gosh. Now, Desiree, you've been in this situation before. If your bachelor had said that to you, what would lead you to believe he wasn't going to choose you? There's not an ounce in me. I would be like, I'm getting engaged. I just, yeah. So when, when the final row ceremony came around, I knew hundred percent he wasn't choosing Jenny and I legit thought that he was choosing me, right? So yeah, I get absolutely. There, I have all the confidence in the world. They're all like, stare longingly out the window so we can film this. And I'm like, why? I'm getting engaged. You know, like I felt solid. Oh yeah, because they always have to have like the different oh, yeah, emotions. Those, those shots, right? So when I'm walking out, I was really nervous. And I, you know, Chris says, so how are you feeling? I'm like, well, I'm yeah. really nervous, blah, blah, blah. And the other thing is Carrie Fetton had me in this really tight dress that I wasn't <laughs> very comfortable in. And he also had me in like six inch um, <laughs> heels that I could barely walk in. And I am such a jeans and a t-shirt and flip-flops. Oh, kind of yeah, same. And Carrie used to love to put me, well, Brad was also really tall, but he used to love to put me in the highest heels possible. And I'm like, I cannot walk in these shoes. And the sidewalk was all like pebble stones. So the whole time I'm like nervous not necessarily about the end result, but about busting face as I'm walking yeah. down. The yeah, because in your mind, you're you're golden. Yes, yes. And I had this short dress on and I'm like, all anybody needs to see is my big rear end. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you can kind of oh see it. If, like watching back the final row ceremony, I see myself standing there and I am like, I am happy. I am excited to oh. see him. I am excited for it to all be over. And when he starts talking and we're holding hands and he's trying to tell me, you know, he says, I just sent Jenny home and you see my face light up. Oh yeah. Cause you're like, this is the moment. I'm like, oh my God. Yes, yes, yes. And then he takes a pause and he walks off the the podium and like starts. Oh my gosh. 
now and then you see me. So they shoot to me and you see me like, I'm like, oh crap, like what is going on? And I'm adjusting my dress and I'm stressed out. Did you out doubt it in that moment? Did you doubt that it? Was the time that I doubted it. I'm like, what, what is happening? What is happening? So then he comes back up and he starts telling me how he can't choose anyone. And th- you can see if you watch, I turn into a stoled, stone cold, like protect myself person because wow. I could not believe the way it was, it was happening. Like I just That's, could not. It's uh, just, in, it's just crazy. And, and to this day, did he ever say why he didn't choose someone? No, no, we, um, uh, we did not talk the entire time that the show was airing and I, I was just at all. Left. So you guys no. left, you just left and yeah. me no like closure, no nothing. The limo, there's no closure. Uh, a producer stays with me the entire time. Cassie, who, you know, yeah. she stays with like, this is weird. Why isn't she just letting me go? And then she, we're like eating and she's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I, I looked at her and I was like, you could have thrown me a bone and given me a heads up. And she's yeah. like, oh, I'm sorry. And, you know, so there's the fine line of like, I realize it's they their can't job. do that. Yeah. Right. It's their job, but also like be a human being. Yeah. Like, be yeah. There's so many things that happened even, yeah, on my own season that it was tough sure. to, sure. just tough to, you know, you think you trust people and then they're yeah. behind the scenes talking to the guys in the house or the girls in yes. the house and feeding them lines, telling them things to do. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. It's I a show, that. you know, the show must go on. I and I know, I know. And I think that's the hard part about all of this going into it is you're like, you're super excited for, you know, to be the bachelor or to be the bachelorette or even on the show, you know, but it's almost like I forgot that their number one priority is to produce a television show. Absolutely. That's what, that's what burned me. Like, that's what killed me. Um, so no, I never got a straightforward answer from Brad. We didn't talk the whole time the show was airing. Oh my gosh, I didn't that's get so to see him again. I know. I didn't get to see him again until we filmed the After the Final Rose. And were you and still like, did you still have hope in your heart for it? I did. Yeah. I did. I feel like that just happens, you know? Not choose someone, you know? And I, I kept saying that. I was like, even if he didn't want to like be engaged, yeah, why wouldn't he still date to date someone? Like why? And that, that piece, I, I could not understand, especially after going through the whole show and, yeah. and, and, and spending the night with women and saying that he liked them or sharing feelings. I just couldn't understand why he wouldn't at least choose to date someone outside the show. Um, I mean, he's still unmarried to this day, right? I know. Yeah. I know. So. Well, didn't see him? Big, big, bearded Brad. I'm not sure about that. Oh, I didn't actually, I didn't see it. I haven't been watching the goats. I know. You know what? I watched it back and I, I was happy to see him. He came on and he- Wait a second. Didn't your daughter watch with you too? No, no. I was, um, I was somewhere else. Oh, okay. Okay. In a hotel room. So I watched it by myself, but, um, no, he came on and he introduced Chris to his girlfriend. And so he seemed very happy, which I love. Oh, okay. So he has a girlfriend. That, yeah. You want to know that people find love and yeah, joy. Totally. Their lives, I right? mean, it's, and, yes, absolutely. He's a good guy. Like I've never said anything bad about him. You know, I, I think he's a really great person and he's kind. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed spending time with his family. I just don't, I really don't know. Still to this day, I have no idea why he didn't choose. Oh, that's just yeah. so incredible. Solid answers. And even when we filmed the After the Final Rose, it was the same thing. Uh, I, I went on stage and I kept asking and he just, he could never give a straight give an answer. He never could. Like, I wanted him to be like, hey, it's just you. Your, your, your butt's too big. Or, hey, it's your <laughs> it could never be too big. 
just say that's so funny though. Yeah. That's really tough though. Cause I feel like that's what a lot of girls deal with like yes. in their dating life is like, right. You don't get an answer. Any form is really hard. Yeah. And then to not know, like to, to be like so unknown and not have any answers. That day, Desiree, he was like, can I have your phone number? And I was like, what? And he was like, can I call you? And I'm like, okay. And here I am still hanging on to hope. And he would call me and text me. He would ask me to come to Austin and visit him. I'm like, what? So was that his way of saying I'd still like to date you? I don't know. I don't know. He would never say that. He would never say that. He would say, would you be interested in coming to visit? And I'm like, oh my gosh. I had to kind of just say like, I need to kind of like take a step back because you you just wrecked me on national television. And I'm so confused by what it is that you're trying to do now. So I had to take a step back. And then Then you became the bachelorette. After that, that they told me I was going to be the bachelorette. So I was like, see ya, Brad. (laughs) (laughs) And then as, um, how did that, how did the bachelorette experience, how was it so different from the bachelor? Because it's completely, for me, it was definitely completely different, but also like, I don't know. It's just, I feel like I then understood more about what the lead goes through. So I I felt, oh, I understood more of what Sean was going through as he was deciding. And so that, I don't know, it, it helped. I totally agree. I, you know, obviously there's that piece where you're like, heck yeah, I'm the bachelorette now. I'm the one who's in charge, you know? Um, and everybody's always so amazed by this when I say like, I genuinely went on the show for the right reasons. Uh, oh yeah. Sounds very cliche and stupid. Like I did not get paid. I didn't get any like things out of it. I genuinely went on the show for the right reasons. Um, so I love that. I was super, thank you. Thank yes, you. I mean, I do. I, I wouldn't mind it a couple hundred thousand dollars, but Wait, I, I'm, oh my gosh, I wouldn't mind that either. No I one know. gets, but people are so funny. This is also, I mentioned it before, but there's like a preconceived notion that if you're on the show, you're, you're just like become wealthy right away. Yeah, like, I know. I'm so sorry, funny. but what they pay is, well, I'm sorry, but it's just not what people expect. No. No, like I can't even pay my student loans if I, if it tried that so wealthy, like I still have to work a full-time job. I still work people. Yeah. I, even now, 13 years later, people just assume that we're incredibly wealthy and it, we're, you know, we're, tr- we're truly are blessed, um, in many, many, many ways, but like I work and Stephen works a full-time job. Like we have very normal yeah. life. I know. It's just, it's just funny. I want to make it clear to people that yes, people nowadays, like if you're on the show for even an hour, you then get like a social media following, but that's not the case for, for most. And especially us from yeah. pre-2018. You know? <laughs> MySpace was still cool. So I'm doing oh, well. <laughs> MySpace. <laughs> yeah. Um, I loved being able to be the bachelorette and having my shot at truly what I thought was going to be my fairy tale ending. Um, but I am yeah. not like, I'm not like a serial dater. Like I am a relationship kind of person and I cannot focus on more than one person at a time. So, and I actually really don't like dating the whole, well, please I'm married now, but like the whole aspect <laughs> of like go out and enjoy and have interviews pretty much. Like, no, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I found it really difficult to be on the show and to to have to try to date multiple guys at a time, you know, or the piece where like some of those one-on-one dates, you know, this are very hard when I knew that they were going home. So hard. And you pretty much have to fake it. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm, I'm 
pretty picky, I guess. Like just my, my friends, even before the show, like would say that. And I never knew what it was probably just like discerning, like, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, so literally probably 85% of the dates I was like faking it. Cause I know, but I mean, I loved a lot of them as friends. Oh, sure. Like, sure. We got along so well, great chemistry, yeah. but it's just like, you know, if, if it's not there, it's not there. But I tell people it's a numbers game. Like it, I can only send one person home right. at a time or two or whatever. So a lot of times you want to just keep the people you can actually talk to. Right. Going. And- or the ones that the producers tell you, you have to keep. <laughs> I never had that, but did you? Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, night one, I knew exactly who my final four were going to be. Um, I knew right off the bat that it was going to be Graham, Jeremy, Jason, and Jesse. <laughs> That's I, so funny. Weird because I, when he came out of the limo, I was like, oh, who put him on the show? Like, Wait, why which Jesse? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But personality? But personality. I found him to be very nice. I thought he was very engaging. I liked the fact that he was really outgoing. And you know what else is like, is not super attractive to me. Um, and even just like my initial, my initial um, look at him, I was like, I didn't find him attractive whatsoever, but he wore this really so funny jacket and he wore blue jeans and he had these really loud tennis shoes and he had this long snowboarder hair. And I guess I just so appreciated the fact that he was really confident in who he was. Yeah. I mean, that's attractive in itself. Just being, yes. being you yeah. and like, or to walk in a room of all those stud muffins wearing suits that are tailored to them. And there was a lot of really good looking guys. And he, um, he held his own. He was really loud and made a point to talk to me. And, and so, and I also really wanted to learn how to snowboard. <laughs> so, there you go. Um, yeah. so anyway, on night one, like I didn't care who stayed. I was like, listen, all I really care about are these four guys. If you want certain people here, that's fine. But like, I only care about these four people. That's amazing. And I knew night one, I wanted my final two to be Graham and Jeremy. You just knew? Like, I was so confused that first night. I'm like, honestly, oh, honestly, I wasn't like, I don't know, to be honest. I'm like, oh yeah, they're good looking, but I wasn't like attracted to like many of them. I'm not much of a suit. Uh, suit and tie type of girl for for yeah. my man. I like the little scruff. So I think it was better once the date started. I could be like, yeah. oh yeah, I see your personality. I see all that. Yeah. yeah. But wow. I, I just know what I want. And I also- That's great. I, it's I a great quality to know what you want. Yeah. I typically had a type before The Bachelorette. I typed, I, which clearly why none of those relationships worked out, but I liked tall, dark and handsome bad boy-ish, you know? So like, I, I was like sold like Graham and Graham and Jeremy being the final two with Graham Bunn being my final one, like planned out. So like, but the, the hard it's part so is funny. You were probably, is easier for you to have more of an open mind when you were going into every date. For me, I literally was like, I just want to talk to Graham Bunn. Yeah. Where's, where's Graham? Is he not in the house? Where is he? I just want to see him. <laughs> Here. And I, it, it just made it I mean, imagine that would be a lot. That would be a lot harder. Yeah. No, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, that's, what's hard about being the lead too, because when you know, you know, you still have to keep going. Yeah. That's when it's really hard. So I'm really fascinated to watch Claire's season because. Yeah. So if the rumors are true, rumors are true. I can sympathize with that because absolutely. 
that is how I felt. Like I walked into the show and I only wanted to spend hundred percent of my time with Graham Bunn. Like that's all I wanted. I, uh, the rest of the dates, I literally was like, okay, I'll talk to him for five minutes, but then you have to bring Graham over here. I want to see, him. you know, I mean, I just, and I am not a difficult person. You didn't end up with Graham. I know, but that wasn't, I, I mean, okay. So here's another piece where like, I don't know that I always believe the hindsight is twenty twenty. Like I believe in the Lord's plan, right? Totally, that, absolutely. That, that's me. I don't that's think what this that, podcast is all about. <laughs> right. I think that things are planned out. I think that the Lord, right? His better is better than my better. And he knows where things are supposed to be. Like that in my heart, that is what I know. So um, looking back, right? In that position, that's what I wanted was Graham Bunn. And, and he left on his own. He left at final oh, four. okay. Yeah. I didn't send him home. He left at final four, but also looking back at this, had he stayed, look at the way that, you know, I I think that God gives us free will to make our own decisions. Absolutely. 100%. And he turns everything together for his good, but not, not if it's the right, the wrong relationship. So my free will would have changed the whole, the whole path of the plan. Yeah. Had it played out differently. Right. So I, I love Graham Bunn. We are still friends 13 years later, 12 years That's later. Cute. And he and Steven like each other. Um, and so I, I just kind of, sometimes I look back and I'm like, oh, I, I see Lord. Thank you so much for that. Because even had I had that planned out and I ended up with Graham Bunn, I would have never met Steven. Right. Yeah. And, have well, really- and you, you never know if maybe like that would have been a relationship you would have kept fighting for and, right. you know, and he's right. Yeah. Or I think about the growth in myself that has happened since then since being on the bachelorette, like had I made a different decision, you know, the way that it broke me in the end um, with choosing Jesse and we were together for four months and we had this big public uh, breakup that was, it was just awful, you know? And and it put me in such a dark place, but I think about the growth that I experienced from that point on, like I had to go through that in order to be, I guess, emotionally prepared for Steven, totally. you know, absolutely the places that, that he has been able to help me and, and the growth that he has, that he has helped me emotionally. And, and with my, my faith and my walk with Christ, like I credit all of that to Steven. Like I, I I'm like, he's, he saved me. He saved me because I was a mess before I met him. Yeah, I love really that. And we can have you- a wonderful, beautiful marriage, but we <sighs> have went some really, really dark storms in our marriage. You know, we've been together, um, married for almost 10 years. In October, we'll celebrate nine years of marriage, you know? Oh, I love that. Oh, and I so appreciate the people who say marriage has been really easy for them because I think that's really great. It has not always I, been easy for us. Yeah. I mean, and whenever people say like, oh, relationships are easier, relationships are easier, marriage is easy. I also want to ask like, are you guys communicating? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it's, real, it's really hard. easy if you're not communicating about how you're feeling about things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Then you just, you know, bottle and ignore each other. Uh, and ignore each other. And then. And we're lot. all a product of how we were raised, right? Like, Absolutely. I, from a very loud Greek family where we all fought openly and shared our opinions openly. And like, there's no boundaries. That's refreshing though, for someone like me, who I grew up where not like hardly any communication whatsoever. And so I didn't understand how to communicate in terms of relationships. And so I would run or I would break down and cry because I couldn't handle any like 
verbal argument yeah. or even if it's not an argument, like if, even if it's just in disagreement, it's just like, yeah, <laughs> even like confrontation in general. Yeah. But this is where um, Chris is like you, his family is open about absolutely everything. Nothing is off the table. And so he helped me like push me through yeah. Yeah. the communication barrier. And so that sounds a lot like you and Steven. And I think it's yeah. really important to be able to have. Totally. totally. I think opposites. we both bring right? We both bring our baggage to a relationship, but we both also bring some really great, uh, qualities to a relationship. So, so he, he has helped me, gosh, immensely with my walk with Christ and just in our marriage and in our relationship, because I have learned to tone down that whole, like, <laughs> I'm right. You're wrong. <laughs> Why aren't you talking to me? You know, and he is, is learning to get better with communication too, because sometimes I'm a bit of a bulldog, you know, and, and he is just like you, where he does not like confrontation whatsoever. Uh, and he's a bit of a bottler and he's, you know, he's significantly better at that. And I'm better at my things too, but like we have a very normal marriage, you know? So I want to talk about how you met Stephen because. <laughs> okay. So Stephen and I met, uh, the first season of the bachelor at that I ever watched was Jillian Harris's season. Her season aired right after mine. So it was like fresh on my mind. And I, um, I still had my home in Atlanta, but I was popping back and forth to LA because you know this, like I was, I had yeah. some opportunities I was hosting and I was doing some red carpet stuff and things like that. So I ended up just renting like a studio apartment in, um, LA, like in Sherman Oaks. And I became friends with Holly Durst, who was on another season of the bachelor. She was the only person I knew in LA and we ended up becoming fast friends and would hang out all the time and we'd go clubbing and we'd go bar <laughs> hopping and we were just living the dream in Los Angeles. So, um, she and I decided we would watch Jillian's season together. So it was the first full season that I watched. And I remember really liking Michael. I thought he was so cute. I loved his outgoing personality and I'm a personality person anyway. Yeah. I love someone who can make me laugh and someone who is outgoing and talkative and I love good share, you know, like, Oh yeah. I love nothing. And when Stephen and I go to dinner and he'll order one thing and I order another and we can share like, that Oh, that's the best. Like, that makes me so happy. Oh, yeah. It makes <laughs> me so, happy. so, um, we were watching the show and I just adored Michael. I thought he was just so cute. And, um, and then when they showed his hometown date, when Jillian came to meet the family, I was like, Oh my God, I need to meet that family. Like I, it was so weird because I've never been that person where I've been like, um, I guess, attached to someone on television, you know, yeah, totally. like actors and actresses, like those things just don't, I just don't, they don't do it for me. I'm not a fan girl, you know? Um, but I just remember seeing Michael with his family and I was like, oh my gosh, they're so great. Like they, and really they are in real life. Like they, I mean, genuinely, like if God is here, Lynn is like right next to him, like she's a saint, you know? So, oh my gosh, that's so cute. I just thought, wow, they are so cool. I really need to meet him. He's so cute. I think I want to date him weird. So, uh, <laughs> fast forward to them filling, uh, filming Jillian's mental all in LA. They, they flew all the guys in. Right. And they're all yeah. staying in a hotel and Jason Mesnick was in town to film. And so Jason and I were going to meet at this bar to have a drink because yeah. we remain friends after the show and Molly, I adore, you know, Molly. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So great. They're, they're so, so great. great. So Jason and I were going to meet for a drink and Holly joined us. And then she was like, Oh my gosh, I think it was on Twitter or something. Cause Instagram, I don't think was around. I don't really know. But uh, one of the guys messaged Holly on Twitter and was like, oh my gosh, I, I would really like to meet you. That's, it's so funny. Guy. Like how this whole, the whole bachelor world just, they start sliding into DMs. Yeah. Yeah. Even long ago. There was long ago. Yeah. 
so he was like, a few of us are going to sneak out of the hotel and we'll come and meet you. So they did. It was like Michael and, and Tanner and then three or four other guys. And they snuck out and got an Uber and met us at a bar in Burbank. And I will never forget this, Desiree, but like three minutes in, and he didn't know this at the time, but Michael said the same thing. He was like, oh, Deanna, I really want to meet her. Like he had seen That's my scene. And he was like, oh, she's so fine. I want to meet her. I want to date her, blah, blah, blah. So we felt the same initially, right? But two seconds after meeting Michael, I was like, this is never going to work. Like I was not even remotely attracted to him. That's hilarious. So funny. I, I, I like thoroughly enjoyed talking to him. I thought he was so funny, all of those things, but it was straight up from the second I met him in person. It was a friend vibe. I was like, yeah, no. Probably no. because you guys are more similar. Is that the case? Sure. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know what it was, but I, I mean, obviously again, circling back to the Lord's plan. Yeah. I was going to say he needed right. you guys to meet in order for you to meet his brother. Exactly. So Michael started dating Holly and because Holly and I lived in LA and we were, we became such good friends. We would hang out the three of us a lot. And Michael lived in New York at the time. So he and Holly oh, dated wow. long distance for the first like six months before he moved oh, to California. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, knowing that his brother lived here and his mom and dad and his little sister, Michael was like, Oh my gosh, it'd be really cool if the four of us could hang out. I think you should date my brother. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. Because I knew how I felt about Michael. Yep. And he was like, no, it'd be so awesome. The four of us could hang out. My brother's super cool, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right, well, you can give him my number. I'll give it a shot. And That's I so remember cute. Steven playing hard to get. Like he was like, oh, I'll call you tomorrow. And then he wouldn't call me for like four days. Oh, and I, told my, I was like, I am not playing games here. Like if your brother can't get his act together, then I don't want to have anything to do with him. It was really silly. That is so funny. Were you interested from when you guys would like talk or? So we only had one phone conversation and then I was going out of town for two weeks. My family and I were going to Greece. And so I was going to be out of the country. And back then you didn't get a oh. phone that was outside of the country. So it was no. like, old school, like you go and you actually like live outside the country, right? That sounds amazing yeah. right now to like, oh. just get off the grid. Right. Be able to unplug. And, and back then we actually did. We didn't have our phones on us to be able yep. to do so. I'm having to like find a, a cafe with internet so that I could check. My oh my email. gosh. That's so amazing. Yeah. So Stephen and I talked on my way to the airport and then he was like, yeah, you know, so I'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. And so I called him, I guess when I landed and I was able to turn on my phone when I got back in the States, I had a voicemail from him. So I called him and he just happened to be in his car. He was driving. He was a camp counselor. Um, in, oh my gosh. How cute. Uh, in, Yosemite, in Yosemite. And he was driving back to LA and we talked for three and a half hours. No, I couldn't believe it. I was stuck in the airport. Our flight was delayed or something like that. And I had nothing else to do. So we talked for like three and a half hours on the phone. And I, I still wasn't like sold, but I was like, I hung up and I remember being like, that was a really great conversation. I, I can't even believe I was just on the phone for three and a half hours. So that um, is so cute. I, I love that. It was really awesome. And then, um, I had to be back in Atlanta for a couple of weeks because I was filming a show in Atlanta. And then I went back to LA. And so that would have been the first time that we met. And we ended up having a game night at Holly's house and Steven came. And I remember having so much fun that night. Cause he's so funny, right? You met him. I mean, yeah. he's outgoing. He's very funny. Um, you know, he's very inclusive and he kept sitting next to me and touching my leg. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh you're so cute. like our first like real date he like took me out to this restaurant in Sherman Oaks and at the time Stephen was a school teacher and I you know you know this school oh, teachers yeah. don't make a lot of money right no Stephen was living on his own he probably made twenty seven thousand dollars a year but he comes to get me to take me out to dinner that's and 
he calls me cause his car, he got, his car got wrecked or something the night before. And he was like, Hey, you know, like I'm in a rental car. It's like this two seater, like Hyundai or something. I, you know, I don't want you to think it's my real car. And I was like, I oh. could care what kind of car you drive, Steven. Like I don't, yeah. I don't people for cars. I could care less what kind of car you drive. He was like, oh, Absolutely. Really cool. That's the type of yeah. pressures that guys put on themselves too. I know, but I think that there probably are women who are true. Are into those things, you know. True, true. I'm just, I never have been. I could care less. Me neither. What car you drive or what the brand of clothes you're wearing. I just don't care about those things. Um, so, two weeks in uh, to us uh, dating, I guess if you called it, uh, Stephen called me on a Saturday night. He said, Hey, I'd like to take you out tomorrow morning. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Like to breakfast. And he was like, Yeah, I'd like to go to breakfast and then I'd like to take you to church. Uh, and now, as your like I'm, second date? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I went through this period. That, oh, I, have, I love I, that. I know it was really, it was like life-changing for you me. You don't I, hear that often. No. Oh, Stephen is, um, he is not like the others, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like good dude. So I had a period of time, you know, my mom died when I was 12 and that really rocked me in my faith. And my mom was like, very strong Christian. Like uh, we were raised in a Baptist household. We went to church, we prayed, Like she was very open with all of those things. And, you know, most of my life she was dying with cancer. So she was very open with her faith to us and teaching us how to have faith in the Lord and all of these things. So I knew that and I had that, but after my mom died and I went to live with my dad, we had a pretty rough transition there. The my dad was married to at the time was not nice to put it. Oh, like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So we had a, a pretty difficult transition and I, I like really hated my life. I had a really difficult five or six years there where and being you know, that young, like that's a yeah, hard age deal with like, the loss of mother, you know? So I doubted my faith pretty heavily. Like I was like, I, I don't know what kind of God would allow this. What kind of a God would allow three innocent children to be put into this kind of process with a mentally and physically abusive, uh, stepmother. And, and, you know, I just could not grasp that on any level that a good, a good God would allow that. Right. And I think yeah. a lot of people struggle with that same question. Oh, I think that's God. the number one question, especially even with what's going on in the world. It's like, that, that's a number one question. How does God allow mm-hmm. this police officer to kill this black person? How does God allow the COVID? You know, I think people struggle with that on many levels. So anyway, and then after the bachelorette, I just kind of lost faith in my faith. And so when Stephen said that our second date, he wanted to take me to church. I was like, okay, this could be it. You know, like we all yeah. have a list that we're looking for. And, you know, on paper, Stephen was starting to fit all of those molds. Oh. So our first date was was breakfast and church. And oh, that is just so cute. He took me golfing. I always wanted to learn how to golf. And he was like, Oh, I can golf. I'll take you right now. Do you, you know how? I need to I learn. I actually really enjoy to play golf. And Steven and I oh. like to go together. I'm not Chris really would love that if I knew yeah. how. So it's on my to-do yeah. list. I'm not very good at all, Desiree. So and I'm I'm a very competitive person. So it's hard for me to get out on the golf course because once I have two or three bad holes, I'm oh. like, this is the worst. I need a Bloody Mary, you know? You like, sound like me. So yeah. maybe we should go out on the golf course because yeah. I'm the same. Like, I'm so competitive, but I get very upset if I'm not yeah. doing well or if I can't yeah. pick it up quick enough. Yeah. And then I just am like, yeah, whatever. I know. <laughs> I got the whole nine. I'm like, well, screw this. I'll go in and wait for you at the bar. But I think yeah. Stephen 
learned over time that like, if he wants to play a good competitive round of golf, don't go with me. Yeah. Yeah. I go it's more of like a leisurely, yeah. like fun time. I'm going to like ride in a golf cart and have a drink and like hopefully get a ball in a hole, but like, there's no guarantee. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. That's so good. Anyway, we spent that whole day together and I have this uh, distinct memory of sitting in the car. He was uh, taking me home and he stopped to get gas. And when he got out of the car, I was like, I don't, very clearly, I was like, I will not be okay without this person in my life for the rest of my life. It's not like I was in love. You know, I wasn't in love, but I just knew that Stephen was it. I just knew. And he also, if he were here, he would tell you he felt the same way that very same day. He was like, same thing. We weren't in love with each other yet, but like, we just knew. We just knew. That's so amazing. I just love that. But that's also, I think the problem with dating and like women, like I know for me, like, I always thought, oh, like, you got to have those, like, passion or like, you've got to have those, like, keep me on my toes. And that's love. Like, I will fight for it. And then I discovered, oh, my God, it's as easy as can be. And when the right person comes in, it's just, it just, it just is like, it just works. And you don't have to feel uneasy or have like any kind of you don't play games. You're both yes. just like in the same. Right. It's like, it's like harmonious, you know, like there's this yeah. harmony and peace over it. Yeah. But. I remember somebody once saying to me, I, cause I had friends who were married in very happy marriages. And I was like, I don't get it because I questioned every relationship I was ever in, you know, like if I, you know, can I put up with this? Can I put up with the fact that his mommy still does his laundry? Like, can I really do with this for the rest of my life? I questioned every relationship. And so I would say to my friends who were married and happily, I'm like, but how did you know? And they were like, you know what? It's, it's really stupid to say, but when you know, you'll know. And I was like, I don't believe you because I question everything. And legit, that's how I felt with Steven. I, I just knew. And there's no other way to put that or describe it or define it. I just knew it was right. I just knew. Now I'm not saying it has been easy, right? in nine years of marriage, we've probably been yeah. together for 13 years. Right. But yeah. I knew and Even still now we can have the worst drag out fight and ignore each other for four days straight. And I still like feel this piece of faith where I just, am like, it's okay. You know, like everybody fights, you know, and maybe this is yeah. really sucks yeah. right now, but like, this is the rest but it's of not a deal breaker, you know, no, it's not like I, I'm going to run out and like leave. I think that's also important too, when dating or like when you know that it's the one, it's like, you know, that you can be honest with each other and neither one is going to leave, you know, like, you know, that you can be yourself Yeah, and they're not judging you. And I think that's really beautiful in that commitment to feel 100% fully committed to, you know, and, and that's what Stephen and I say this all the time. We, we have spoken to the young adults at church and we've talked to other people because I feel like we walk a very normal and honest, uh, life, you know, with, with, within our faith and as well as within our marriage. Right. And I think, um, when you are dating, you have this idea that a relationship should be mind blowing. The sex should be amazing all the time. And the <laughs> things. And I'm here to tell you that like in real life, it's not always like that. Sometimes I'm throwing him a bone. You know what I'm saying? But like, oh, girl, I hear you. It, it, is, it is so true because I think, you, I think sometimes we have this false image of what a relationship should look like. And we did tons of premarital counseling before we got married. And there is that whole piece where it's, it is lust 
it's not love. You know, when you meet somebody and you say, oh my God, I'm so in love after three months. No, you're not. You're in lust. You're in lust because you don't truly know them yet. And those things don't start to unfold until you've been together for eight, nine, 12 months. And then you start to look at them like, God, I hate how he leaves his socks on the floor. I sure wish you could put him in the hand. I don't know if I can deal with that. You know, like then those pieces start to show up, but there is something really beautiful in being with someone when you know, and you have the faith that you're hundred percent committed to. Yeah, absolutely. I also think that's why faith for me personally, and as it seems for you, um, has been so important in my marriage and even like in the dating life and even on the show, um, because I could make decisions. And when I made a decision, I could feel peace about it. And if I felt peace, I knew it was the Lord. And if I felt uneasy or if I felt doubt, I'm like, you know, with lust, I would hold on a little bit longer. Cause I'd be like, well, are you sure God? Like, you know, yeah. I don't know. Can you just can you make it work? And yeah. then God's like, no, because yeah. that's not for you. And it's just, um, I feel like that's just such an important part of my own life, but also just to encourage other people to seek that. Like, yeah. because I don't know, like you said, he has, he knows the plan and, but we have to, uh, have the faith to follow. Yeah. That was a really hard lesson for me to learn was the, uh, his better is better than my better. And Stephen, I swear he would counsel me on this. He would pray for me. He would pray with me on this. And he just said, you know, for a year, I want you to just say that out loud every single day. Like you need to understand that it's okay to have goals and hopes and desires and stuff. But ultimately what the Lord brings to you and puts on your plate, like it is better. You don't know this, but he knows down the road what will bring you joy and faith and all of these things. And I, um, when we first got married, I, I, I really wanted like a, a, hosting career. I really, really wanted that. I was going on auditions left and right. And I was always left with disappointment. And but those were my selfish desires, mm-hmm. you know, and I had no idea that, you know, years down the road, right. Six, seven, eight, nine years down the road that I would find so much joy and peace and comfort in working a normal job. I'm a corporate flight attendant mm-hmm. and having That's so food. fun though. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. I love it. Love it so much. I love every bit about my job. I love the travel. I like to stay in a hotel. I like to eat a warm meal. Oh my gosh. To me right now, it sounds, that sounds fantastic. That sounds like a day at the spa. (laughs) I I thoroughly enjoy it. I thoroughly enjoy it. But like the the peace that I have found so much faith and happiness and where my life is now, like that's just really awesome. But I think it's a, a hard place to get to if you're not faithful in doing it, you know? Yeah. So for you, what did that help? Just um, repeating that daily? Yeah. Yeah. Because I do feel that now, you know, I mean, I've been a corporate flight attendant now for nine years, you know, um, I started right before Stephen and I got married actually. And it was a big transition for me. And I, I am so happy. And I think the other piece is like, I'm turning 39 in a couple of months and I have said this so much in the last couple you look of years. So good. Oh, thank you. I started noticing I have a turkey gullet going on. I'm like, is this what oh happens? My you get like a turkey gullet, and then I think quarantine has just been hard. Um, I'm 34, and I naturally have it. Oh, you do. Look, I know. I was like, God. I have just. This. <laughs> I I keep saying to Stephen, I was like, uh, since quarantine, I seriously have gained like 10 pounds oh. in quarantine. It is it is not pretty, and I'm like, I just want to like fully because I'm constantly preaching it, you know, to other people and to Addison, like, I don't want her to grow up with this definition in her mind of what she thinks her body should look like. She should be thin. She should be a size four. 
things, but it truly is a very hard place to get to within yourself to be like, okay, all right. My butt is so big. I cannot no longer fit in my size 28 pants. So like, it's all right to step up another size. I need to feel good. Yeah, just see it. We're all a work in progress, I think. Oh, always. I think body image and especially for women and especially after having kids, like, yeah, that's an ongoing relationship with ourselves. Like we have to constantly be ahead of it before we allow like those negative thoughts to. Yeah. And just giving ourselves some grace, right? Oh, I tend that I so give much a lot grace. Of grace, right? But I don't give myself grace. Uh, we are our own worst enemy, right? But I nurse two children. These boobs will never look the same. You know, oh, I mean, that's just not going to happen. But no. I also have never like disliked my body enough to, you know, I pick myself apart. That is true. But I've never been the type of person who felt such, um, dislike or shame in, in my body that I wanted to alter it in any way. Like, yeah, I nurse two children in my you boobs. You look great. Sick. You don't need to. Oh, you, you do. But like, I, I still feel like beautiful and my husband yeah. makes me feel beautiful. And like, even my sweet boy, man, I, where did I, I was going somewhere out to dinner or something last night. I had a dress on and I put my hair and my makeup on and Austin came up to me. He said, you look so beautiful, mommy. And I started crying, you know, because through their eyes. Right. And really those are the only people, not the only people that matter, but you know what I'm saying? They're the yes, most important totally. people to me and that's how they see me. So why don't I always see myself like that? Yeah. I agree. And I mean, that's also having boys is so special. It's oh. like so special. They're so sweet and they just love their mama so much. Oh gosh, It, is it really looks like awesome. Xander's waking up from his nap soon. But, oh, is he really? Uh, I can see him. He's, He's like a quick napper. Oh girl, we is are like that. No, we're just going through it right now. He's getting, he's still getting teeth in and he's been like off on, he's been fighting his nap and he's a fighter. He's almost two in January. Okay. Oh yeah. It's about, about, about ready for that. Mm. About he's starting to get to that point of like terrible twos. Oh, oh yeah. You know, neither one of my kids ever went through that. So I oh. have all the sympathy. In my, the so Asher didn't, he went through like more of a terrible half to three. Really? Yeah. But uh, I don't know. This one's tough. He's a fighter. Like he's as it's sweet as can be, but he will... He is a fighter, like, yeah, but yeah, but motherhood, how, how has, you know, your relationship and how has everything from your past and your whole journey really helped shape you into the mother you are or Uh, or any? Well, I think a lot of things and it has shaped me into, you know, the wife that I want to be, right? we all come to relationships with, with good things and bad things. Right. And I think it's the same thing, um, with parenthood. Uh, I have, it's hard to focus on the good things because I know a lot of bad things that I don't want to do. Right. I don't want to, to mimic some of the things that happened in my childhood with my kids. And, and, you know, I want them to always know that they are loved and that I am, I am choosing them, you know, because that is a piece that I always felt missing from, uh, mostly my relationship with my father. And so I, I feel like I try very hard to be um, stern, but also genuinely lovingly to them. Um, and just to know that, that I am choosing them, 
I, I want them to feel like they are the most important thing in my life. I want them to know that they are the most important thing in my life. Um, and I don't want to be a yeller. Oh my gosh, this whole homeschool, um, find myself yelling so, so hard. I try so hard not to yell. I try so I, hard. I, I try with, I'm with you. Like Chris um, came from a very, like, they're very soft-spoken in the way that they kind of handle parenting. And so it's more so talking about things. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> and so I feel like he does a very good job doing that. But then, but then sometimes I'm like, you're being too much of a friend. And then, <laughs> and then I'm on the other end where I'm like, I can't, I have to like stop myself because I can yeah. be quick to be like, no, or don't do that or get off the couch or, you know, because yeah. they're boys yeah. and they're crazy. And I feel like I usually yell if they're like, you know, gonna fall or yeah, yeah. you're just trying to keep them alive. I'm, I'm just I trying to keep them alive. Survival mode, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I so wish that I could be less like, uh, controlling. And I, I don't mean like controlling, like controlling their lives and what they do, but I just mean like in situations, like if they're making a mess on the floor, they're playing with kinetic sand. I'm like, keep it on the table, keep it on the table. Cause I'm the one who's got to <laughs> clean it up, you know? But I think that comes from like being tired and a parent, but I always admire those people who are posting their cooking videos on Instagram oh. and they, they don't care that their kids are throwing flour everywhere. Oh <laughs> man, I, I know. And I'm like, oh my God, the cleaning ladies were just here. You can't, we're not baking cookies today because I'm not cleaning yes. up this. <laughs> Seriously. I know. I yeah. always take everything outside because I'm like, okay, oh, you really want to paint? Okay. Outside. Uh, <laughs> you really want to do that? Take it outside. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just so funny. I mean, I feel like too, like each stage of their childhood is a new le- parenting lesson and oh, sure. how to navigate it is, you know, for me, it's a learning curve. I was never around kids growing up. I never yeah. babysat and I was a champ with newborns for some reason. Like Sorry. I could handle the crying. I could handle the being exhausted and I could be patient with it. And then Chris was like, Oh my gosh, he couldn't be patient with it. And then now we're in this transition of like, he's a champ and I'm having a hard time. So it's just, it's just funny. These are things that we wouldn't have ever known about each other until Mm -hmm. having kids. Mm -hmm. And also just the different phases of life in general, you know, you first get married. I, I, I always stand by this because I really wanted kids right away, which is so funny because I was not a kid person. I was the same. I was not a babysitter. I wasn't around young kids. I wasn't trying to like hold newborn babies. I mean, I don't have to keep their head on. I feel like they could just pop right off. Oh, I still actually won't hold like other people's newborn. I know. If you just touch them the wrong way, their head's literally going to fly off, you know? Um, so I, it was so funny to me is I never wanted kids until I met Steven just because of how my childhood was, you know, I just didn't want to bring a child into that kind of world. So when Stephen and I met and we were getting married, I was like, oh my gosh, I want kids. I want kids right away. But Stephen said, no, we really should wait. We really should wait, like have this time to be together and be selfish. And I'm so thankful he did that because when you're first married and there are no kids around, that's your time to be selfish. That is your time. Binge watch Netflix, sleep oh, in. Do it all. Yeah. All of the things because your next phase of life with kids, there is no piece of being selfish. There's just not. No. And there's no like not that same amount of alone time. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about it. Um, How many times do you say to someone, I just want to go to the bathroom alone? Oh, I do. (laughs) Or like if I'll just be like, I'll be taking breaks throughout the day, like, oh, I just need a water break. Uh, And then it's like 10 minutes later. I'm like, oh, mommy just needs to go to the bathroom. Yeah. I'm in yeah. there first. I need 
like, you cannot come in right now. I make the kids go to their room and read a book in their bed. I'm like, I'll let you know when you can come out. Like, don't come out. That's amazing. I just love that. A house right now in quarantine. I'm like, all right, everybody needs to be alone. Everyone. Anything that you live by? Well, you know what? I always hate the whole offer advice. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> it's a, like new mom. Okay, what have you learned? <laughs> all the time, you know? Uh, I think that, and especially for myself, to just know like you're, you're, you're doing okay. Like, you know what is best for you and your family and for your children. And it is really hard to not feel judged by other people, by what you're doing and how you're raising your kids. But I feel like there's a, a really solid piece of confidence in just being okay with what you do as a parent, you know? Yeah, right? absolutely. How I teach my kids, how I raise my kids, how I discipline my kids. And that's on me. And that's, that doesn't mean that, that you're not doing it right or the next parent is not doing it right, but this works for us. And, and I think that you have to feel confident and right in that and not second guess just because some mom at the park was like, oh my God, I can't believe you're letting him eat a fruit roll up. Don't you know there's sugar in that? <laughs> totally. I think yeah. it's just terrible the moment you even like get pregnant, the amount of like opinions and everything. Yes. Yes. About your body, about, about what you're going to do, where you're going to live, how you're going to raise your kids. Like, what hospital? People gave me so much judgment because I didn't want to have my kids at Cedars in LA. I was like, it's like in Beverly Hills. It'll take me 45 minutes to get there. If I go into labor at eight o'clock in the morning, I'm going to sit on the 405 for three and a half hours. Oh my gosh, that would be miserable. That would be so miserable. Yes. Yes. Well, now that my... (laughs) Now that my son is, I, know, I, see, I see you're kind of like, I don't know. Do I finish? Well, he's like, he's having it. He's like, wants to go downstairs. He's ready to eat. Well, at least he gave me some time to chat with you. <laughs> yes. This has been very fun. I feel like we need to chat way more. Kids. I want to learn more. Yeah. I know. Well, we could do part two. We can also, happy hours. we need to do more happy hours. Right. I'm like, quite the, quite the talker in an open book. So like, I, I feel like it. every podcast I do somebody's like oh it'll just be 30 minutes and I'm like you don't know me well do you yeah I know I know especially if you're like able to like just conversate it it can go on forever which I'm just flat out talking to another adult right oh my gosh right I have been loving the podcast because I'm actually like oh my gosh this one-on-one time with other women is yeah fabulous yes yes yeah but I'm just powered by other people, right? Like I, I tend to think that I surround myself with really wonderful people. Oh, and absolutely. You and I have said this together separately, but like, I want other women to feel empowered and loved and supported, you know? And if, and we have said, even on a text message, this is where we go. Like when we're on our group chat with the bachelor girls, yeah. I'm like, that's so awesome. I'm cheering you on. You're doing great. You know? I like, know. I'm always like, oh, Deanna and yeah. It's always the, the same yeah. responses. It's so it's fine. That's so fine. I say it all the time. You and I are two of the same people. I so. know. And I love it. It's been really, like, I really love, you know, being friends with you and having you be a part of, the, you know, the Bachelorette girl gang. Because yeah. yeah. It really, it really, it's really been great. But, um, yeah, my Xander is summoning me down. I know. I know. So go. It's been wonderful um, to see your face. Yes. And, but um, please, 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 can you please tell people where they can, um, check you out and follow along. Can they check me out and follow me along? I have Twitter. I really don't ever use it. Um, On Instagram, I'm at Deanna Stagg. And I do have a blog that when I find time, I post there. And it's just uh, um, DeannaStagg.com. Yes. And she's a fabulous, fabulous 
cook. So you want to check it out because she has some amazing recipes. Well, thank you so much, Deanna. I I love chatting and I look forward to catching up soon. Bye. Guys, thank you so very much for joining me and Deanna. I just love her so very much. And we just could probably go on and on and talk about everything. But um, I hope that you enjoyed it. And I hope that you catch the next episodes coming up. If you have any questions, please email me at hello at DesireeSigfried.com. Also remember to follow the podcast on Instagram at Heart of Purpose Podcast. And um, I look forward to connecting soon. Take care. Bye.